back, everybody. Hi, friends. It's, it's our mid-season check-in reflection episode. Where we typically just explore um, some questions that we offer each other. But I think um, my it's one of my favorite episodes of the season because it's just time for us to spend... Like how we typically do at the end of the episode of just like thinking about... Um, it's a larger scale, but across multiple episodes and multiple themes. And um, I think what I'm excited for our conversation today, too, is figuring out how all of these pieces fit within our larger theme of leadership and context and just piecing it together. And we get to have our favorite producer join us in conversation today. Excited ah! to be here, y'all. Excited Derek's to be here. back. <laughs> Hi, Derek. Derek. Hello, hello, y'all. Okay, well, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time beating around the bush. I think we should just get into the good stuff. Does that work? I love it. We I love it. I don't know how we're here. I don't know how we're here, y'all. That's how I'm feeling. I right know. Now. This is episode six of like a, I don't know, 12, 14. I don't know how many episodes we're doing. We're, we're scheduled out pretty far. But um, mm. yeah, we're at this kind of mid-season, mid-semester, I guess mid-year, not mid-semester. Semester's over. Um, by the time you're listening to this, it, hopefully you'll be traveling to spend time with loved ones and unplug um, in good ways. And we can hopefully be the last of your work-related <laughs> uh, responsibilities or stretching your brain. But um, first, I think this is in a good in a good spirit of thinking that people will be listening to this as they're maybe um, headed elsewhere to celebrate with loved ones. But what's giving you all good energy right now um, around our work or the podcast or things you're working on or um, maybe even outside of work? What's giving you good energy? Seriously, the first thing that came to my mind was the soup that I was just eating. So let's just put it out there that I feel really good about I feel really good about soup season. Mm-hmm. And the Vermont like, in you is really showing. That's right. Plenty of energy. That famous um song from is his name Noah Khan, the whole stick stick season thing in Vermont. Stick season, like, yes. Full yep. swing here. Um and Melissa like also has on like a nice green knitted sweater, too, right. which is giving so Vermont. I'm leaning fully in. And a really good comforting like winter soup is like my jam right now. So that good energy from the soup. That's what I'm going to say. I like that you're taking the energy literally of like things that are fueling your body. So I love that. Right. It's not, hey, I for those other soup yeah. lovers probably agree. It's also feeding my emotional soul. So yes, yes, as it should. I I think on that front too, feeding my, um, I took it as more of a, I guess, spiritual soul for lack of a better word or um emotional soul is um I'm really enjoying being creative right now whether it's in work or out of work so even things like picking up crocheting again I used to do and just kind of fell off in my move um as a creative outlet or um writing or just creative problem solving and ways I could use that side of my brain um for other folks who are type type of practitioner roles and things too um you love the admin work and and the day-to-day of it but sometimes it's really great when you get to use that space um in that different part of your brain to just be creative and think big picture and futuristic and um so that too melissa and i and derek were talking earlier about like a forthcoming conference that we we're on planning for and just being creative and excited about um the future of our work and discipline with people that also care deeply about this work feels really exciting and energizing so i think at a time where we're typically all just grading and sending off last emails or reports or um, assessments it feels really nice to be able to be creative still 100 percent. i think for me what's giving me this kind of, I guess, newfound or good energy is um, similar to how y'all went through last season with Brittany's dissertation. Y'all will be going mm-hmm. through my um, preliminary exam phase of my PhD yes. process. So I'm excited to, although it may not be giving me 
good energy, but I think <laughs> I was talking with other people how there's like a healthy form of anxiety, right? That we all mm -hmm. need to have in our lives. And I think that's what this is giving me. It's reassuring me that I know what I know. And hopefully that is what will get me past the finish line, right? So I think that's what's giving me good energy is kind of putting the semester to a close and knowing that soon enough I'll be transitioning to the next phase of the doc process. So I think wow. I'm excited. That's what's giving yes. me good energy. You know, as you say Dr. that, Pacheco. Pacheco. Yeah, it makes me think about like um, when you feel that kind of like being amped around something because mm -hmm. you're feeling a little anxious about it or it has a lot of like weight or meaning in your life, even if it's something that's making you nervous, that like read into that energy means that you're you're like on the right track, right? Like you yeah. care about this thing. You want to do well. It's probably going to be challenging, but like. I, I know it's hard. It's easy to say when you're not in it, but I do feel like the more you can remind yourself in moments like that, where like this, this energy is it's here because I care. And 100%. yeah, I, that I have to remind myself that when I'm ever like on writing deadlines, like, like we were just talking about, y'all. Yeah. like when I'm, when I'm on writing deadlines, even when it's like words with friends, like we're writing with friends and we enjoy those people, there's still yeah. this element of like, it, it's challenging and the deadline is looming and, and there's some, you know, people are going to read this and I want to make sure it's mm -hmm. good, but that, that kind of nervous energy means that you care and that it's something that, that, you know, is worth your time. So you yeah. think about that, and I, I think guess. being on the other side of it too, and this is also becoming now a, a doc student podcast, which I think is incredibly helpful and I wish I would have had, but <laughs> I think it's honoring all those seasons, right? Like I was yeah. so anxious and I was so in my head about prelims. I just couldn't wait for it to be over. But now being on the other side of it, like I wish I had honored each season of the doc process. Like, yeah, the coursework gets long and you're doing it forever and it feels like it's never going to end. But like I kind of miss being in a classroom and like, not that I'm going back for another degree, y'all, but like there's like the, the coming to a space and being like for the next three hours we're going to spend time in scholarship together is like such a cool space to be in and um similar with the preliminary exam like when you get that back and it's good news right like you've you've become a candidate like it's such a cool like milestone in your career and your trajectory and then um I loved the dissertation process I know that it's not popular but again being in that creative writing um helps having a really great advisor who loves this stuff as much as you do um and is energizing conversations around it too but I loved that writing process and um something you talk about for like four or five ten years finally getting to like mm -hmm. come to fruition and seeing the data for the first time you're like oh I wasn't just making it up that this is going to be an interesting thing to talk about right um so I wish I had honored more of those seasons too so I'm glad you're doing that Derek to sit in it even if it's not giving you good energy it's giving you some energy that's worth naming and honoring yeah. right we're trying to so but we're yes. making it <laughs> and look you just pulled it back to seasons too soup season season stick season writing season the noah con podcast now all the seasons. <laughs> <laughs> a noah con fan podcast which is on snl this last week it's gonna date when we record this episode but really a huge fan and I love Vermont Melissa. What a Thanks. great gal. Thanks. I Soups and Noah Khan I told you, told you at the beginning of the, the very first podcast, I'm I want to become a kayak person. That's like, that was my, that was the Can't summer kayak version now. Right. It's a little too cool for your kayaking. soup season, right? Like, we're just, You're we're really leaning in. Such a, such a Vermonter. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. The, a mid-season check-in on your Vermont status is doing That's really right. well. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, so friends. Good. Okay. So I'm also, I'm also in this moment, um, reflecting, I think on just all the, all the intelligent, amazing people that we had with us mm -hmm. this season. So our first, you know, first collection of episodes, like what's sticking with you 
Like, what are the things that you're still thinking about or, um, you know, unprompted, like jump into your mind at some point during the day from our episodes so far? Yeah, I've got something from our first guest episode with Darren and Natasha talking about students in STEM. Um, that I feel like I've referenced like maybe 12 individual times outside of podcast for other people. But really, I think for the season being leadership in context, I think you and I, Melissa, had um, hopes and aspirations of what it would be, but what an episode to start that conversation off. And I think um, having talked to Darren and Tasha both offline and in the episode, the way they approach working with a set of students who is typically not served by our understanding and our um, historic discipline of leadership education in the ways that we know and talk about it, right? It's much more positional or hierarchical or whatever, managerial um, really in STEM. Um, the ways that they approach their practice with a deep care and, and discipline for the way that we talk about it, right? Relationally, human-centered, DEIJ work, but also in honoring that the students have these interests and these paths and these trajectories and these careers that they're going to have around engineering or science or whatever it may be, and making sure that they're also experts enough in that topic to make it relatable for their careers. I've just been thinking a lot and reflecting a lot about how can we all be doing that and just pulling in you know, relevant examples of whether it's case studies or just podcasts or um, yeah, small blurbs or blog, blog posts, right? Or like New York Times articles or contemporary issues or things that we can pull in to make that relevant for students. Um, and especially considering many of us are working with students from across a lot of majors and disciplines and career paths and passions, right? Just generally passions for students. Um, but thinking about the ways the two of them um, and some of them they shared in that podcast of just the intention they take to make our work relevant for these students who are on such a career-driven education experience, right? Like even most of them mm -hmm. are taking gen eds that are within their colleges. They're not necessarily sp like spreading their wings to go to like the liberal studies for sure, for yeah. their, their English credit or for their, um, you know, uh, literature or whatever it may be too. So really finding the ways that they are being integral in pulling in our work, but also honoring the students' yeah. interests and passions. I love that. I, it makes me think about um, this example we used to use um, when I, I, I've been involved with leadership for a really long time and was on the uh, curriculum kind of revision committee at one point. And mm -hmm. one of the things we kept talking about is in the process of thinking about visioning and visioning for the future. That's a big part of the leadership curriculum. Yeah. That's like the context, but related to what you're saying, Brittany, um, one of the things we used to say in those curriculum revision committees was what I, what I need is for this notion of visioning, how to do it, how to replicate it in different spaces. I need for that to be as relevant to the person who is going to go work directly in a community with social change efforts. I need it to work for them, but I also need that process to work for the student who is going to take a job in an accounting firm and sit in a cubicle and run accounting mm -hmm. spreadsheets. And in mm -hmm. both cases, the the efficacy around a visioning process is equally important for them to be successful in their context mm -hmm. and for them to make a positive difference in those spheres, right? So, mm -hmm. so I think to your point, like just the work I think that our that our colleagues are doing, even if they might not be an expert in the context in which they're teaching leadership or in, or mm -hmm. running leadership education, they have to be smart enough about it to make to help articulate the transferability of what we're talking about mm -hmm. into the context in which they're in. And you're right, kudos to to Natasha and Darren and to so many of our other uh, you know previous guests, but upcoming guests as well, who are doing the the work to to mm -hmm. be relevant and to do that trans the transferability stuff um, to other contexts. It's so important. It sure is. 100%. What about you all? I, What's been staying with you? 
I I was thinking, Brittany, a lot of what you just said resonated with my point. I was thinking a lot about our episode with our friends at the Leadership Educator Symposium, which will have happened after this um, episode <laughs> airs. So, yeah. um, but I was thinking a lot about um, a lot about what our friends had mentioned about how do we engage with critical reflection for co-construction, right? And I think mm-hmm. a lot about um, I've tried to shift my language at the minimum and hopefully my practices from just reflection to that critical reflection piece of what can we do with this, right? Like we've done it, we've reflected, we've engaged, we've talked, mm-hmm. we've gone through things or whatever that may be, but that action piece or that change piece, right? I think is what um, I'm still like thinking about a lot when it comes to like my reflections on just different pieces of my life in general, scholarship I want to produce. Um, I feel like going back to how sometimes it seems to be like a doc um, podcast, but I think a lot of times like, <laughs> what do I want my like career to look like, right? Not just mm-hmm. post-graduation, but like 5, 10, 15, the mark I want to leave, right? Um, So I think mm-hmm. that is something that I've been kind of like sitting with um, and I continue to think about a lot. Um, and I very much appreciate our friends on that episode that shared like tips and also like just acknowledging that that's a messy process sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And that that's the beauty of it, that I think at times everything isn't clean cut as much as we may want it to be. Yeah. Um, going back to what we had mentioned earlier, like embracing those seasons, embracing that messiness, mm-hmm. right? Of that kind of transition in between, I think for me is something that I'm that I'm like, thinking about a lot especially now mm-hmm. like I said going through one of these transitions and that in the doc aspect at least um mm-hmm. so I'm excited to to think about critical reflection in a different light especially after that episode you're wow. so right though they leaned into the messiness of it which I so appreciated because even think I was talking with another colleague at another institution the other day about um processes of like ungrading and like how do we challenge grading structures and systems and um I think honoring that all of that's messy, right? Like same with Mm co-construction, like there are times where co-construction like doesn't go well or it's not the appropriate space or like there's not structure built on the like foundational level for co-construction to properly happen. And I really love that the three of them honored that like this is not something you do in every single space with every single student with every single curriculum you're doing or every medium. And it, it needs the proper like, like for lack of a word, like soil to really be able to flourish. Like this is not something you just like say like, I've learned about co-construction and therefore everything I do will be co-constructed um, right with all of the players and pieces too. So I appreciated them honoring that process too. Or, or that just that it's not co-constructing is an ethos. That's a philosophy you have to embed mm-hmm. underneath, mm-hmm. not just what you have control over, but into systems and structures. And I think yeah. that was one of, that was one of Jordan's major points too, right? That yeah. co-construction isn't just like a tool you pull out, like, you know, the, that icebreaker you use at the beginning of class, right? It's like <laughs> yes. same. It's not the same. We're not talking about the same thing there. Um, mm-hmm. It really is. It really is a tool to like, l- to look at a learning space and a learning experience from an t- entirely different lens. Yeah. Um, so, er- you know, I, I just appreciate, I think that, that, we're talking about, um, I guess the word embrace, embracing that and mm-hmm. em- embracing that, the, the messiness and still moving forward with it, right. Still pushing forward to try it and to, uh, and to think about how, what you're doing connects or doesn't to that philosophy is, is important. It's work we have to continue to do. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Mel? What's sitting with you still other than things we've already know? Yeah. I mean, everything y'all have said, of course, mm-hmm. I'm also thinking a little bit about, um, our conversation with Jonathan and Trisha about, mm-hmm. um, what is it that, you know, how can we be more thoughtful, I guess, about the development 
that we need as leadership educators and the ways in which that we, particularly what we talked about regarding the ways we can do that for each other within our spheres of influence. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's one thing to say like, yes, we'd like to for there to be more courses and grad prep programs. And and that certainly was the nature of that conversation with Jonathan and Tricia. But I think what they talked about brought up bigger questions around where do we have control and maybe control isn't the right word. Where do we have influence within this Mm -hmm. community of leadership educators that we all belong to in some way, shape or form? Um, and how do we lift one another up? How do we, at the, well, how do we validate each other's work and the expertise, right? Brittany, you've talked about this in mm-hmm. some of our other conversations. How do we acknowledge the expertise and the brilliance within our own community? And yeah. how do we start to hear, like to shout that from the rooftops and use it to help that generative property of bringing other people in and developing them to, to also join us and take on that, that kind of identity of leadership educator. There's this generative mm-hmm. piece right to it that, um, we really do need to actively attend to. And I, I think that's what I'm thinking of when I reflect on mostly on, on, on Jonathan and Trisha's conversation. Yeah. On that note, Mel, you've got me now thinking about another thing too. Cause, um, I know in the, the Dugan's 2017 book that many of us teach and touch at some point, um, in our facilitation, the cultivating critical perspectives, he has the piece in the early chapters about, um, the types of power, right. And there's expert power. Mm-hmm. And I think so many of leadership educators talk about like, how do we deconstruct expert power in the classroom? How do we tell our students they have expert power and things mm-hmm. too. But then it's interesting within our own field, how often we all are to deflect like that we have any expertise to offer in space yeah, right. right like right. we don't want to assert that like I do know something right I've done writing and research and taught many classes and facilitated programs um, mm-hmm. and do have a level of expertise and then you go to these conferences and everyone's almost so humble that like they're not willing to say like I do know what I'm talking about right like I, I know this stuff and I think yeah Trisha and um, Jonathan's conversation I think was a good reminder that sometimes we need to be saying like and I think when we talk about like our field right like this is um there's so much to back that this work is so important and it matters and its impact and influence um in the data and then sometimes when we are hesitant to share um the expertise on our own best practices and pedagogies and approaches and programs I think yeah it can be detrimental right yeah absolutely totally agree and I think with that, I I kind of wrestle on a lot of like, I feel like, and we had talked about this before, like we were just on a, a meeting earlier, Brittany, and we have like a thousand questions that come to us right after <laughs> we have all of these different like <laughs> totally. spaces or episodes or meetings. The or questions so after are, the meeting. <laughs> right. So what are some of these questions, right, that I think that we may still be wrestling with from an episode or just a topic that we've discussed thus far? I know for me, one of the questions that I kind of, I think, wrestle with is like I think a lot about Darren and Natasha's episode right and thinking about the context that they're in in STEM um, and that's something that I've never been in that context of mm-hmm. right so I think yeah. about the one of the questions that I like wrestle with and it's more of like a like a question I need to work with not like a question that necessarily has an answer is like a question that I have is how are we going to be able to be leadership educators right in this in all of these contexts of students that we may not have served before our students are coming from so many different either identity groups or backgrounds or international students socioeconomic status right like the thoughts are endless right especially for our folks who are in the higher ed and student affairs world and I think about how do we not only are we able to serve these students right because I think there is and there always will be an ability to serve them but it's time back to that efficacy piece right of like how effective are we in serving them? And I also think about the capacity piece of like, how are we prepared 
to do so, right? Like we've noticed, mm-hmm. and we can go back to some of our episodes, some of our friends saying, hey, like, you know, the scholarship that I'm reading more is based on the context that I'm in, or maybe mm-hmm. the scholarship that I'm in is based more on leadership, but I have to apply it differently, right? That's the pieces that they're kind of like producing or putting into the field. So I think for me, um, that's just a question that I've been kind of dealing with of like, how am I going to be able to serve this kind of new student, right? And this new student looks, every student looks very different. And I even think the old students look very different, right? But I think in some context, but I think the new student, right? I think it's ever changing, especially with the diversification of our higher education systems and everything as well. So that's just a question that I think I was kind of left with after our conversation with them about that kind of piece. Yeah. My answer to this question actually connects directly to that. I was thinking Mm -hmm. about, um, Gosh, I was thinking about uh, the episode with Denny and uh, mm-hmm. Gail and, and Ryan and thinking about standards and guidelines mm-hmm. for the profession. And it's not a direct answer to your question, Derek, but but your your maybe challenge around that or conflict around that, the, the, the rumination you're doing, I guess, mm-hmm. on it reminds me of just the importance of collaboration and coalition building within the profession and how um, I, as a leadership educator in a certain role, in a certain function, cannot be all of the things to all of the students or all of the learners that, that, you know, are present in my sphere. That's just not possible. So if I am going to be able to attend to the different demographics or identity considerations or majors or career pursuits, right, that are present in the diversity of our learners these days, then I need to be friends with and and colleagues with and collaborators with people from other units on my campus. Mm -hmm. And I need to be looking at guidelines and standards documents, certainly within leadership education and connecting those to things like what I'm sure Darren and Natasha have had to look at, right, in engineering education and like mm-hmm. that that notion of kind of crossing these artificial boundaries that we create. Like there's a reason we all have certain roles and certain functions, right? We can't, we can't do all the jobs of everyone. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that we don't have to like widen our our perspective and open our eyes a little bit to be able to to ask for help where we need it and mm-hmm. and call in a friend with some complimentary experience or skills right to be able to right. help us do this yeah. um and and i think that this the the work that denny and ryan and gail and i know lots of our other leadership educator friends across different associations or across different you know career paths have been doing with these standards and guidelines documents is trying to balance that notion of like what is what can we create that's generic enough to be applicable and transferable, but yet specific enough to actually be helpful and provide some guidance? That's such a hard balance to strike. And I, I'm just so glad that that our our friends in the community that are part of this, these processes of writing standards and guidelines and helping to advance the field are being thoughtful about how they're doing that across those boundaries. You all are so brilliant. I had two questions and they connect both to both of what you're thinking. I First, love that. Derek, I know that you mentioned this too, but um, all three of us teach leadership studies courses that are technically out of College of Education, but certainly transcend our campuses as far as the majors we're seeing, minors, mm-hmm. interests, passions, career fields. Yeah. Um, and thinking back to Darren and Natasha's work, I'm like, I'm so drinking the Kool-Aid of like needing to know more about STEM and engineering and the amazing examples they pull in 
in their classrooms every day around these topics. But when we have students from all these disciplines and all these majors, I guess a question more practically for my own practice is like, how can I be pulling in a diverse array of examples, right? Like, do I have case studies from different fields that they can opt into? Or do I um, share um, TEDx talks or blog posts from different fields of how people are seeing this in practice? Some of that too is also like, you know, um, the dissonance of not everyone is talking about leadership in the same relational, grounded, humanistic, Mm -hmm. DIJ ways that we are, right? So how do I make those connections to folks that are expertise in that field, but may not talk in the same way we're talking about leadership studies and um, being able to do that well, but also again, in the ways that I think cultivate a lot of buy-in when you can tell like students in like a business major, right? Like, hey, I've got an example from a Fortune 500 company that's doing this work really well. And like, how can I show you that transformational leadership theory is also showing up in the workplace, right? Like in, in these ways are helpful for them to see that this is not just some random elective class or random workshop training that I asked you to come to that won't be relevant to your career, especially as we see, um, especially post-pandemic, such a shift back to the career mindset around college. I don't think it's necessarily bad, but I think it's challenging in different ways of how students are talking about the college experience. The second, Melissa, I think transcending that too, to your point too, is trying to think about like, what is my role? What is my immediate community's role? Um, what is my work's role in fitting in with these kind of spheres we've hit to? I think on intentionally and unintentionally this this season where we have like Darren and Natasha who were giving us examples of like in my classrooms, in my discipline, in my unit, at my college, right? In this way. And then you've got our LES scholars who are building this kind of cohort and coalition um, of a smaller group, but coming together across the country to talk about this. And then we have like ILA folks that are talking about it in the international context, right? Mm -hmm. And trying to think about like, again, like Melissa said, we can't do it all by any means, but what is I going to a new year, a new season of this podcast, um, just kind of, again, re- reevaluating what I'm working on. What am I giving my energy to? What do I think is um, something mm-hmm. I can offer expertise to, but also um, is something that makes me excited about the work, right? And the people I get to work with and the coalition building that we're trying to do. Like, what does that look like for me and my community um, in my own practice? And in that same note, who can we continue to pull into these spaces and pull up into this work um, whose voices are really valuable in a lot of other expertise areas too. I know we were talking about that before we officially hit the record button, but um, these just brilliant forthcoming scholars, um, folks that are in adjacent fields, our leadership allies, right? Um, right. That are brilliant <laughs> in beautiful ways um, and offer some of those expertise we don't know that Melissa talked about that we don't have, but they are um, adjacent and can teach us so much. So just thinking about in my in this next season, literally, podcast, and for um, just us as humans who enjoy this work and will continue to do it, like, what does it look like for us at all of those levels um, in, the, in the capacity we have to contribute to the work? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The big mm-hmm. questions, the big mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. On that note, I know I've alluded many times the second half of our season, which I am just so looking forward to in full transparency. We've got three episodes scheduled and a couple more. We've got good ass out for, and I think we'll have some great um, additions too um, in the March and April eras as well. And thinking about for you all, especially with a couple we have coming up and for sure planned, what episode are you getting excited for that they will all start to hear in, in January and February? What are you looking forward to? Or maybe more more broad scale, what is just a conversation you're looking forward to having um, in this new second half of our season? Derek, you go first. <laughs> yeah. Nose goes. So, 
<laughs> I think first of all, Brittany, love the new, love the, the adding in the Taylor Swift flair of the eras piece always. to the podcast. Always um, an eras no- mention. <laughs> for me, I'm excited to see. Um, we're going to be having a grad student panel, both of master's level and doctoral level students mm-hmm. um, that are either directly in leadership um, education in terms of like that's what they're studying or they're mm-hmm. doing like internships, practicums, um, so on work adjacent with that. So I think um, it'll be a very unique episode in that field because I think a lot of times we always, and I have mentioned this in an offline conversation we had before recording this episode of like at times we're in higher education, leadership education, student affairs, we're always in kind of like the same mindset. Um, so I think bringing in these new voices, these new perspectives that where they do identify as leadership educators, right? And they're trying to develop that identity along with mm-hmm. attaining a graduate degree and also creating either a higher education or student affairs identity, right? So those intersections mm-hmm. is something that I'm very, very excited to hear about in the second half of the season. Um, and a conversation that I would love to hear them talk about is just where do they see the field going? I think a lot mm-hmm. of times we talk to our quote unquote senior level scholars, right? Of kind of where do you see the field going in 10, 20, 30, however many years? But these are the people that are going to be in the field in 10, 20, and 30 mm-hmm. years. So I think it's important to also see where feasibly, where do we maybe see this kind mm-hmm. of conversation going from their perspective? So that's just something that I'm very much excited to not only listen to on the back end and do all the editing mm-hmm. and all that stuff for, but also be excited to um to hear from people who I consider my peers right at the graduate mm-hmm. level. So I'm excited to to be able to give voice and opportunity for those folks as well when they come on our episode. Yeah. Well, we know we know you're gonna we're gonna ask you to contribute as well because your voice is important in this conversation too. I know yep. Melissa can attest to this. When I go to LEIs or ILAs or any of the conferences around leadership, one of the questions I get the most from grad students I talk to is like, how do you even get involved? Like how do you mm-hmm. find places to do stuff because it seems really cool just not sure how to do it so i'm really excited in that panel for the practical like probably our first question that we'll probably ask is like how did you get here like how did you get to taing or interning or practicuming or um you know writing your dissertation work on this or whatever it may be um but how do you find yourself in this place and sometimes you know it'll probably be a story of like right time right place right person but sometimes it is these people that just had to go searching and 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 Mm -hmm. finding opportunities too so i think it'll be helpful hopefully for grad students to see there are a multitude of ways into this this sphere um but we're happy to have all of them Mm -hmm. yeah i'm thinking about um I think my answer to this question is related to is is related to why I'm also excited about the grad episode mm-hmm. is the notion of all the places across like functional areas where we see leadership education happening and mm-hmm. connected to our grad episode and what we know of grads who find themselves in being somehow connected to leadership education work is that it's usually through an a different avenue it's usually through mm-hmm. a functional area or through um, an academic program that isn't directly about leadership education, but yet um, they come in contact with someone or are responsible for a new program development exercise or something, right? And that's mm-hmm. how they find themselves in leadership education. And so, and that that I'm excited to hear about from the grads. It's also why I'm excited about this, like this kind of. Um, I guess just community of functional area experts that we're going to have with us, people that are working in different aspects of higher, of higher ed, but who also are doing leadership education work within that context. I know that there are plenty of people that listen to this NASPA leadership podcast who will find themselves 
connecting with that notion, right? That like, Mm -hmm. I'm sitting over here in a campus programs office and I don't do leadership education directly every day, Mm -hmm. but I sure am working with a a programming board that I've got to teach leadership lessons to and elicit the leadership lessons from all the dang time. So I I think about that a lot. And, and in the work that I do with NCLP, I mean, that really is the purpose of the clearinghouse community is, Mm -hmm. is to pull all those people together who have this leadership education theme within the context of the greater work that they do and give them a space to be able to talk, to talk with one another and connect with each other and connect to good people experiences and all those Mm -hmm. things. So I'm really excited to hear from our colleagues from across those different functional areas. Yeah. When I'm sure you both can attest how many times you've gotten an email from a practitioner on campus and been like, so they just told me I need to do a leadership development series. Can you help me or point me in the right direction of resources, right? Of like, how do I do this work? Um, I'm really excited about that episode too, Melissa, because we're going to have someone who's kind of at the senior-ish level, someone who's at the mid-level, and then someone who's a coordinator, right? And kind of new in, new in the field. Um, all that I consider to be experts in leadership education um, in their own ways and facets, but also experts in their functional areas and find a way to do both brilliantly um, and infuse the principles of leadership ed- education and learning um, every day in their practice, not just a random time they're tapped to do a 30-minute our facilitation, right? I think that they're infusing it in their advising and their mentoring. Um, We even got someone coming from conduct, right? That's talking about it in like conduct boards. And I think it'll be just a really Mm -hmm. fascinating conversation about the different ways. um, And that our audience doesn't get disconnected from, again, the ways that most of our students are actually having touch points with leadership learning is through these kind of co-curricular programs that are, they happenstance find them with themselves to (laughs) leadership development. Totally. On that same note, um, we have a I guess a functional area specific panel that's also going to be coming out. I know it sounds like we have a lot of panels, but we have a lot of people that we really want to hear from that are really brilliant. But um, there's one on fraternity and sorority life, which I know all three of us in some um, capacity touch, but have never maybe worked professionally in as far as our nine to fives, but all have had touch points with. And we know that community at both the national and campus-based level is doing a lot of leadership learning and a lot of innovative and, and new approaches that maybe are our campuses or other areas aren't seeing. And we've got some folks coming from national headquarters and some coming from campus-based, and they're going to talk to us about what leadership education looks like in their spaces, how they're working with students, um, especially students that are coming from a range of experiences, identities, communities, uh, focuses, majors, areas of the country, right? Um, and how do you create particularly curriculum um, and interventions around leadership that are helpful to a community Um that does a lot of other things too, right? They have a lot of other focuses and sometimes don't have capacity to engage in leadership in the ways um, that I'm sure many of them will they'll touch on as well. But um, just brilliant folks who all know each other and I think will be a really fun conversation. Um, spoiler, we haven't recorded any three of these. So these are honest interpretations of what we're hoping. Um, and, <laughs> and we're hoping you all will get out of them. And I'm just really, really excited that these three groups of people that we already have scheduled are really wanting to engage with us. And again, and, and I'm probably going to, on I think our second theme of the season might be the messiness of the work, right? Like we've got right. leadership in context is our, we major, love a good our major theme and a some theme of like, this work is really messy. And I think that's what um, I like is that we get to have all these conversations that are totally different in theory, but all come down to like, this work is not easy and it's not linear and it's not black and white, um, but we keep doing it because it really matters. So I'm excited that we'll get a lot of perspectives on how and why and, uh, what we do to keep the train moving. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess on that note, that's our mid-season reflections. So I'm feeling good. I probably will have 17 more things I wish I said. As soon as we get off the phone, I'll just text you both and (laughs) 
be like, and that thought. It's the, po- it's the podcast after the podcast, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, Derek right. can add those to the show notes of um, app- appendix thoughts, you know, like <laughs> appendix A. Yeah. Um, Put them in a folder and just link the folder with the thought. screenshots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, th- I know that we mentioned in our kind of out- outro um, the podcast uh, social media sites with NCLP and um, SLPKC communities. But if you all ever have thoughts that you want to share or things for us to highlight to comment on the Instagram posts and we would love to hear from you all of just maybe your own midseason reflections of um, what you're sitting with. And sometimes it feels like we're disconnected from the community unless we, we find you out in the world. But if you have things you're sitting with too or email any of us or outreach because we'd love to know what you're taking away from our first six. Agreed. Definitely wishing you all some wonderful reflection and relaxation time at the end of this, this term in the academic year. And, um, hope you'll come back and join us first for our spring episodes. We're so thrilled and really excited. Yeah. We're jumping right into content episodes when we get back in January. So, and I'm especially excited for you, Mel, because we are excited to hear about how LES is going to go. Yeah, yes. y'all. Symposium at the time of this recording, symposium is a week from today, so we're or mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be leaving a week from today. So we're yeah. really excited about yeah. about symposium next week. Yeah. So. so she'll come back in January with some good reflections for us to to hear how it went. We'll have to open the first episode with your your reflections on LES, um, and Derek will um be nearly out of the trenches of his preliminary exam (laughs) and we're gonna have a lot of good things to look forward to in the new year lots of good energy um and we can continue to follow melissa's vermont journey that's right her her seasons um yeah we'll be interested to see what your um winter slash spring season will be for vermont when i am under a pile of snow literally yeah i'll be we'll we'll reflect on that yeah, I can't wait for us to have to reschedule a podcast because <laughs> Melissa is snowed in and there's no electricity and she's <laughs> That's just right. trying to try to fight for her life in the snow belt. A hundred percent. Oh gosh, oh. y'all. This is so fun. I can't believe we get to do this and that I people know. listen to it. It's amazing. I know. It's so I fun. tell Derek all the time, I'm like, I can't believe we get to record this and he puts it out in the universe and that people listen and engage. I know. Amazing. Thanks to you all who are on the journey with us. It's been real fun so far and we're excited yeah. for more. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, everybody have a yeah restful break. Like Melissa said, you more than deserve it. So mm-hmm. take the time to rest and recharge and we'll see you in the spring semester. Take care, everyone. Bye, y'all. Bye.